Hi, and welcome to another episode of Real Estate with Howard Drukarsh. For those that don't know me, I'm one of the co-founders, along with Arthur Bartram and Ron Petticord, of the largest independent brokerage in Canada with over 5,000 agents. In my career, I've also been on the board of directors of the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board for two terms. I've sat on the board of directors of the Real Estate Council of Ontario, which is RICO, which is the guardian of the registrants in the province, and I also sit on the board of the company that I co-founded. This isn't a typical real estate podcast. Um, we'll be interviewing real estate agents. We'll be interviewing people who are in the new development or pre-construction field, brokers, um, marketing people in the field, um, media people, and even people we just find interesting, and will also be our guests. And the whole focus of our program is about success. Uh, real estate is not an easy business, and those people that have figured out how to be successful are, are remarkable people. Uh, everybody in, in, that we interview has had to overcome roadblocks, setbacks, rejection, um, all kinds of challenges um, where they, failures, where they just, you know, might have, might have decided to quit, but they haven't. Their trajectory has never been straight up, but they keep going. They have intention. And uh, I, I find, and I think our viewers will find, these are fascinating people. Um, my own situation in real estate was I was a real estate uh, agent for 20 years. Uh, and then when we started the company, as we grew, I was the manager of our offices as we opened different branch offices. Then at one point in time, I was also president and broker of record uh, for a few years. Uh, and in that role, whether it was managing or, or president, one of the most important things is the interviewing and hiring of people. Um, and I always found that fascinating. And, and over the time that I was active with Right at Home Realty, I hired over a thousand people. So my, my instinct was really uh, developed uh, with new people. I, I always had a good feeling for those that I thought would do well. And for people who were transferring from another brand that might've been around a lot longer than us, it was great that they felt we were better than where they were and wanted to join this company. Um, so that's my own background. If you're interested in learning more, you can go to the uh, intro uh, podcast, which is an audio about my own background in the business. Now to our guest today, Rav Tour. Um, I have a special place in my heart for Rav Tour. When we started this business, we had no brand, we had no agents, and Rav had a TV show called In Tune with Real Estate, and I think it had a second one as well. And he was kind enough to invite my partner Arthur and I onto his, onto his program where we began to get noticed and helped us get more brand going. Um, Rav was a terrific host, um, and I'm going to compliment him because I've learned a lot about how to host from him. In fact, I, I don't know if you remember this, Rav, but there was one episode where he couldn't make it or he might have been on vacation and he asked me to host. And I think that put the bug in my ear about how much fun it is on that side. Uh, so uh, without further ado, I want to introduce everyone to my good friend, Rav Tour. Rav, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, my friends. Great to uh, great to be here with you. You know, and, uh, it's uh, it's interesting. You've been on the show, I, I don't know, countless times over the 15, 16 years. And um, um, this is the first time I'm being inter interviewed by you. So it's uh, thank you for having me. Well, it's, it's fun. Uh, you know, we're, our our our. Um... The shows you did are still on YouTube. I mean, you know, we can find some of them. If they look, if people look up Rav Tour, they look up Howard Drukarsh in tune with real estate, they can still see how young we were. 
And well, I still didn't have the hair that you have. Well, yeah, but you were still younger then. So, so <laughs> one of the things I, I can't remember, and this will be interesting, how did we meet? What was kind of like, where, do you remember how we first met? I don't. Maybe it was uh, somebody on my team. Was it like a Lindy or a, a Dale or a Mary Jo? Or, you know, and they, they were, you know, um, sourcing out guests and maybe because you started your brokerage in what year? 2004. 2004. And I started the show in 2005. And so maybe um, maybe they, uh, you know, caught on to those beautiful purple signs of yours and the new concept of being able to uh, work right at home. And so maybe it was that maybe it was somebody on my team that brought you in. And then from there, we just hit it off. Oh, and, God, uh, it, it was great. I mean, we hit it off. You know, I never went on to the show feeling any kind of, uh, you know, uh, someone's trying to, you know, throw me a curveball. Uh, you were great as a host. And, and I've learned that from you, quite honestly. I, I, I want my guests to be comfortable. Um, so you've been a good mentor. And, uh, and it's fun for me to be on this side of the mic while you're in, you know, at home and enjoying the Zoom. Like I said, you're uh, you're a natural at it. So. Well, I, I appreciate it. Let me let me ask this question, too, because uh, not only for me, which is in my intro, but, you know, people have had uh, a lot of interesting uh, influences as they as they mature and as they grow up. Uh, what was your family background? You know, I uh, my parents are from India, from from North India. Um, my mom came here by herself and uh, was a nurse. Um you know, and my dad, somebody knew her on my dad's side and there was an arranged marriage. Mm, really? So my dad came in Kingston, Ontario, little old Kingston, Ontario, where I'm born and raised. Uh -huh. um, but my parents, which is uh, not wasn't common in the 70s with the East Indian family, um, they actually parted ways when I was five, six years old. So here's me, uh, maybe five, six years old, my sister, two years younger, and my mom who worked nights as a uh, as a nurse. And so, you know, we had to uh, figure it out. I uh, uh, love my dad immensely, but he wasn't um, in the picture full time, uh, mm -hmm. if you will. So that's kind of, you know, my background that I got into. Uh, I got bored very easy. Um, I was asked to leave three or four uh, high schools um, just because I wasn't interested. And then they threw me into something called co-op at the age of 16. And that happened to be the largest real estate brokerage in that small city of about 60,000 people. And the rest is history. That's where I got my first taste of uh, a real estate uh, job shadowing agents. And me and my mom bought our first investment property and so on and so forth. Here I am, 49 years old. So what's that, 33 years later? The, the other thing I remember, I mean, your career has been more than just real estate, right? I mean, you've had a fascinating uh, journey. So uh, the parts that I know about were um, you ministered, Yep. Uh, you were uh, uh, an actra performer, maybe mm -hmm. even SAG, I'm not sure. But yeah. how did you get into those two areas? What motivated so, you? So, yeah, so then um, I met uh, an incredible a woman named Sinead from Belfast, Ireland, who moved to Kingston, at, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old. So we started dating. I was 15, she was 14, and she was heavily into drama. Um, and so just to hang out with her more, I took drama. And, um, there was a guy named Tom Cavanaugh. So Ta Tom Cavanaugh has done tons of work, um, but people would probably know him from Flash. He plays Dr. Wells on Flash. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went to Queens. He was good friends with my drama teacher. And uh, we became friends. And I just thought somebody picks you off the street to you know, put you in a movie or a TV show. I didn't know that you get an agent and you audition. And 
So yeah, 17, 18, 19 years old. I, my first audition was for street legal. I remember very clearly, sure. um, but uh, yeah, I've done 30 speaking roles in film and TV and worked with people like uh, Daniel Craig and Mark Wahlberg and Alyssa Milano and just a couple of lines here and there. I've had a few guest starring roles on episodic work. So, you know, I've been doing that and I still do. I, I have an audition in a couple of days, but um you know, I live in the promised land of Brampton right now. And so it's good that we're, uh, I, I audition um, via Zoom. But when you have to go downtown Toronto to audition and callbacks, and it was too much of a drive. So I don't do as much of it. Plus, I'm busy with the TV show. We're in my 17th year, I think, of, wow. um, doing a show. Uh, my show is called uh, Everyday Investor with Rav Tour. So that's all that. Um, in my early 20s, you know, Howard, here I am making... I could be on set and make two, three thousand dollars a day when I was, you know, filming, and um, have lots of friends around me and pretty people, and I was really, really empty. Um, and you know, Christianity was incredibly hypocritical um, in my eyes, and so I searched different faiths and uh, tried to do it on my own, and just felt like there was something bigger out there that, you know, if there is a God and I'm not happy, something's wrong. Um, and it's probably not with God, it's with me. So that, that started my journey um, and uh, different faiths. And when I studied the walk of someone called Jesus, I fell in love with the humility and selflessness. And I said, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to um, help people know God's love. And that's how I kind of became a minister. And I've been in and out, paid ministry, not paid ministry. You know, So I've been fortunate enough to do my three loves. Um, make money in the real estate world, um, get in front of the camera, whether it's hosting or acting, and uh, be able to uh, share God's love with people. Started a, little, a few of us uh, families started a little something in Brampton called Simple Church. You can go to the website there, simplechurch.ca. So yeah, that's what I've been doing uh, for almost, um, like I say, I'm 49 years old, 50 in May. Well, that's what I, I mean, when, when I met you and found these things out, I thought it was fascinating. Most people don't have that diverse um, um, interests and have succeeded in all of them. So, you know, I have a question here about the importance of, um, of hard work, persistence, and luck. Hard work, persistence, and luck. How would you rate those in your, well, let's call it, let's, let's say your real estate career. Yeah, I mean, I think, Howard, you know this, and this is why I love you so much. Um, I just think everything, and, you know, there could be some guy in his basement, you know, working on some coding for a business and gets lucky, and they do. We know that, especially in the tech days, the, the technology era. Um, you could be successful just hiding out. But generally speaking, life is all about relationships, you know, and you know, you know, that's that's why me and you get along. We can not talk for months and pick it up like we just talked an hour ago. So I just think everything's about relationships. And um, that's why I, I feel like spirituality is important because you take from something bigger than yourself, you take from something bigger, and then you give it um, as much as you can. I remember in my teen years, I was probably in some drunken stupor and I landed on some uh, um, old woman's uh, porch. And I never forget, she said a little something to me. She said, you know, because I love, I just love talking to people. And she said, you know, love was not put in your heart to stay for it. love is not love until you give it away. Hmm. And I'll never forget that. Right. And and I just think whatever you're doing, if you just 
give like we have nothing to gain here I, there's no monetary gain for you having me on and there's no monetary gain for for me being on i just love to talk to you and so if we want to do it and there's a bunch of people watching why not um so you have to really you know um want to give to people you want to have you have to be selfless you have to um you know give value and then of course once that happens there's nothing wrong with uh, feeding your family at the same time. And so that's how I've always, you know, I, I would never be, and no offense to anybody who does it, but I would never I would never be good at network marketing. I try. I try to do MLM companies, but I just have a very sensitive conscience that, you know, if I sell you those earphones, Howard, I want to, I want you to make sure that the best earphones that that I sold to you um, or recommended rather, I don't, I don't like the feeling that, hey, I recommended those to you. And by the way, I make a buck at the same time. I'm just not good at that. Um, I leave a lot of money on the table as a result, but I'd rather just live that way to be able to give, 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 give. And then I just think the rest takes care of itself. So um, I never farmed an area. I was doing, when I was uh, doing real estate, I think I ended up with 35, 40 deals a year, kind of with, you know, one personal assistant um, and uh, maybe a buyer agent here and there, not even full time. And I was just doing 40 deals without doing any farming. Um, because it was just repeat um, and referral business. And I just, that's just what the way I like to do things, you know? So okay, hard work, yes, but hard works in relationships, like figure out how to increase your relational wealth. And I think the rest takes care of itself. It's great advice. Um, how in, in your career, and let's pick again, the real estate career, because that's the one where risk is, uh, you know, are you risk averse? Are you not risk averse? How important or how did you handle the concept of risk when you went into an entrepreneurial adventure like like real estate? Yeah, I think that I think that and I say it all the time on my show. I think knowledge does two things. Knowledge mitigates risk. You know, I had um, uh, some work, landscaping work done. and There was chance chainsaws going off. And, you know, you put a chainsaw in my hand. It's very risky. Uh, but you put a chainsaw in the professional's hand and it's just, it's just an everyday occurrence, right? Because he has the knowledge. So I think knowledge mitigates risk. And I, I think that we should never jump into something because you watch some HGTV show or, you know, you think that, oh, they can do it. I can do it. Let's say flipping a house, for example, right? You have to have the knowledge. It mitigates risk. And then secondly, it breeds confidence. But it's all knowledge. You need to educate, educate, educate. And that's what I love about Right at Home Realty. Um, you know, you have a university going, people can, you know, my son's, uh, just turned 20 and I said, Hey, go grab your license just for fun. If we're going to flip a house or something. And he's with you guys and right. right at home realty. And I'm seeing all the stuff that's offered and knowledge mitigates risk and knowledge breeds confidence. Boy, that's uh, I hope people listen to that and think about it because, uh, you know, risk in, in any entrepreneurial field is what scares people, keeps them from doing well, keeps them from even getting in. But knowledge, it'll, it'll uh, reduce risk. But but you don't become an entrepreneur if you're totally risk adverse. I, I mean, I've always felt the excitement of starting something new. I mean, this podcast that I've started with RealCast, um, my career, you know, involved with Right at Home Realty uh, ended uh, where I was actively involved, um, although I'm still a member of the board. 
but this became a new venture and you know it it, it becomes exciting because it's uh, it's like a startup and you know you've done that so you understand that yeah and, and i think it's important for people watching to know that also maybe god didn't make you that way like not everybody has to be an entrepreneur like yeah. you know um i i have an, an an investment tv show like i teach people how to grow money through different investments and you know, um, I've seen others that say, hey, do you really want to be working 40 to 50 hours a week, you know, get into investments, have time freedom? Maybe, maybe somebody likes working 50, 60 hours a week and just wants the steady paycheck. And I think we should always invest, but not everybody has to be an entrepreneur. So I would say you have to be able to sleep at night as well. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's, you know, how much how much investment do you want? How much debt do you want to use to invest? How much, Rav, should I refinance my principal residence to invest? I don't know. I'm not you. You know, you have to be able to sleep at night. So that's what I would say over the years is uh, you don't want to, um, you kind of want to be in the performance zone. You don't want to be in the risk zone. You don't want to be in the complacence. So let's just, I just made up those words, but let's call it complacency, performance, and risk. You got to kind of find yourself where you are, um, don't be complacent, don't be risky, but be in the performance zone where you're kind of, you know, feeling a little bit pushed, but you can still have a good sleep at night, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. One of the things that's important in the traditional real estate world is loyalty. Uh, when I, when I uh, used to meet with new people in the business and they, you know, they'd always ask like, what do I need to do to be successful? And, you know, what are my goals? And, and I, I clearly felt that this is your goal. Your goal in real estate is a referral business. And, you know, you get that by, by being, uh, you know, professional, you work hard, uh, and that creates loyalty. And loyalty, you know, creates referrals. How, how about you? What's your take on loyalty? Listen, I have left a lot of money and continue to leave a lot of money on the table because of loyalty. Um, it's the most important thing. I mean, again, I have a sensitive conscience and uh, something somebody else could come by and offer me something even better and I can make a, a bigger buck and so on and so forth. But relationships matter. Loyalty matters. Um, again, it's, you know, these things affect, I mean, in a world of anxiety and uh, stress and depression and OCD and, you know, um, I flirt with all those things. Um, you've got to be able to sleep at night, have great conscience, uh, not sear it, live in integrity loyalty is a huge component. I mean, you know, Howard, we, I get your advice all the time. There's things that happen and it's just not worth it. It's just not worth doing something for the sake of a dollar, um, you know, and, and, and take away from, you know, if me and you have an agreement and it's a handshake agreement and something else comes around that might be better for me, monetarily speaking, I'm not going to say, well, Howard, it wasn't on paper. no, my yes is my yes. We had an agreement. And like I say, I, I really believe there's something bigger than this. I don't believe as my dad passed away um, uh, a year and two weeks ago, January 1st, 2020, you know, sudden death and uh, rocked my world, you know, but I don't think he cease, ceases to exist. I do think there's something more, there's something bigger. And I do think I'll be reunited one day. And uh, that's what hope is, right? We're going to be with our loved ones one day. We're going to see how Arthur, one day we hope, the former partner. Um, and so there's something bigger. And I just think that if we keep to integrity, we take, we keep to um, humility, selflessness, uh, give value and your word, loyalty, 
I just think we'll be blessed. And I have been blessed. I've been burned and hurt a few times. I'm not going to lie. I mix business with pleasure. I don't know how to do it any other way. And I've been hurt a few times. I shouldn't say burned because money comes and goes. I've been hurt a few times, but that's just on them. I, I wouldn't trade it for a thing. Now, listen, Rav, I've always loved your attitude. I mean, you know, when I used to come up to the show, um, and even now, I think, you know, the viewers can see, you were always positive. I mean, it didn't matter what went on in your day. You'd welcome me. It was fun to do the show. I mean, it was one of the most fun things I've ever done. And, uh, you know, for that, like I said, it, it, it probably in the back of my mind triggered. It's not a bad gig <laughs> for me. So here's a question. Um, what, what's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome or challenges if there were more than one? Yeah, I think like any entrepreneur, and it's not just for entrepreneurs, but I just think, Howard, you know, we we are want to be in control of our own destiny. And, you know, that sounds nice, but the bad word is we're control freaks. Um, you know, we, we want control. Um, and I don't mean in terms of micromanaging. I'm a great delegator. But just in terms of outcomes. And so, you know, family is so important to me. I have a beautiful 20-year-old son. Like I said, he's uh, at York doing his thing and he's a realtor and he's trading stock options. And, and I have a gorgeous, uh, beautiful inside out when I say gorgeous 17-year-old uh, daughter. And the biggest thing that I need to learn and continue to learn, um, you know, is not to exasperate uh, my kids, not to control to, if I do believe in something bigger then do I believe in it or not? Like I've got to have a trust factor. So there's a difference between controlling and protecting. And I think that's always been my biggest challenge, whether it's with my children, whether it's with family members, whether it's friends, um, it all comes out of love. If I don't, you know, if, if it's distant, if it's an acquaintance, then it doesn't really matter much. But for the people that I love, my biggest challenge with my OCDs is moving from control to um, just giving advice and, 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 and wanting to have a protective heart, but knowing everything's going to work out. I really have a hard time with it still. I had a neuro breakdown about five years ago. I, I had a nervous breakdown, making more money than I've ever made and, uh, you know, semi-retired. And, and I had a neuro breakdown because my kids were growing up too quick, too better than my liking. I couldn't, you know, give them a spanking or a timeout or whatever, uh, whatever you do. I had to now reason with and allow them to fall down. And, uh, it's just very hard for me personally. Um, I'm, I've grown like a weed. I have to for uh, mental health issues. Uh, otherwise I would just drive myself crazy. And you have a beautiful, uh, children as well. And, um, you know, with, I don't know how, how you did it with Maddie. Maybe you just trusted, maybe you have a great relationship. Maybe she was just a great kid, but you know, um, our kids are going to fall down and they have to be able to get up by themselves. Um, and I have to not always help them as much as I want to help them for my sake. You know, it's not, it's not uh, anything to do with them. They're amazing. It, this is my, my schemas, if you will. These are my um, things that I need to work on. So that's probably the biggest challenge for me is uh, just kind of being, uh, wanting to be a control freak especially when it comes to loved ones in my life. Well, it's interesting. My, my uh, late mother had, had this uh, uh, way of looking at being a parent, and she said, you're a parent forever. If you're 80 and your kid's 60, you're still dealing with it the same way. But you don't know that when you got a baby. You know, they, they, get, they grow faster than you. You have to catch up to where they're at, right? They're always ahead of you. By the way, when you mentioned Maddie, that reminded me of this. 
Um, Maddie had a, this is just, this was like, she was the, she was the envy of her entire high school. Maddie had a birthday. You and I were in touch. I said, you know, and she really liked your buddy, Scott McGilvery. So I said, Raph, can you do me a favor? Can you get Scott to just like text Maddie happy birthday? She'd be wild. Anyway, you send me a video. Scott says, hey, Maddie, happy birthday. It's Scott. <laughs> that was I mean, she's still one of her favorite things ever. So, so thanks for that. Yeah, I think I was having dinner or lunch with Scott. I mean, he did it. I just said, "Hey, Scott, dude, Howard's a good buddy of mine. His daughter, can you do this?" And it was like he looked at his phone um, for two seconds or three seconds, and he said, "Okay." I said, "What do you mean, okay? It's done." He goes, "Yeah, done." Yeah, it was really and, sweet. Uh, really, really sweet. Um, so the last question I have, uh, and this is one that uh, you know. Uh, I, I like to keep for the last because the first time I heard it, it was like, oh. So here's the question. Brad, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? What would I tell my 20-year-old self? Uh, can I tell myself more than one thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in the investment game, um, you know, somebody told me when I first became a, a realtor, uh, somebody said, buy a property a year. And, uh, you know, here I am doing 30, 40 deals, um, you know, a year and making a great income. I was like, why would I want to be a landlord? Why would I want to? But what I would tell my 20-year-old self and I tell my 20-year-old son and my 17-year-old daughter is live simply, give generously, always, always, always invest, always invest. Every dollar you make, try to take 20 cents out of that dollar um and invest it and if you do that at you know the age of 20 years old when you're 40 45 you do whatever you want to do you know um not to say that i believe in retirement i think we're, we're created to work um but that's what i would tell the first thing i would say is always invest and because i'm always investing i would tell my 20 year old self spend a lot of quantity not quality I believe that quality is birthed out of quantity. Spend a lot of quantity time with loved ones. Spend a lot of time. You know, when you're 20, you just want to move away and travel and do this and do that. And, you know, it's just those wonderful moments that, you know, that you might not have an opportunity to do with your grandparents and great, uh, you know, your grandparents, siblings and cousins and relatives and family. And just spend a lot of quantity time with people. So those are the two things. Um, and I think they, they match each other. You can only spend time with people if you're um, investing because you know everything will be okay later. I think what happens sometimes is we get out of school and you know we want to make sure we have our nest egg all set for later in life and I don't want to work. I look at my parents and I don't want to work till I'm you know 100 years old and so we kind of react to that. But if you would just invest from every dollar you would get, then you could do anything you wanted. I mean, you could work anywhere you wanted if you would live simply, give generously, always invest, and spend quantity time with loved ones. That's what I, I would say to myself. Well, that's you know, I left my mom. You know, she was in Kingston, and it's not wrong to do this, but I moved to Toronto, and I'm so blessed because she eventually came. But, you know, don't be so quick to, to, to escape. Um, the nucleus is very important, right? I mean, Howard, you know this back in the – days of Abraham. I mean, they would find a, a big plot of land and the whole family would live on there and follow the patriarch and good times, you know, but now we have, 
you know, a family of four or five and everybody's on every corner of the world. And again, to me, I believe in relationships and, and especially with, with the ones that are uh, the closest to you, try to stay close if you can. I mean, if, if there's a, a course, if I live in Toronto and you could take a course at York University and they're offering one at UBC and it's the same course, why? Why go to UBC? Stay home, do that later, you know? So anyways, that's just kind of my, uh, my thoughts on that. Well, Again, maybe that fits into the whole uh, controlling nature, Howard. I don't know. Listen, uh, nobody knows what it's going to be like to be a parent. You know, Adam, uh, recently, uh, the producer, recently became a parent. I remember uh, I had no idea. I mean, my wife, Rosemary, fortunately had a good idea. <laughs> so she kind of coached me along. But I always felt what I said earlier. They get there before you, and you have to catch up. That's right. Anyway, Rav, I want to thank you. I know you're a busy guy. I really want to thank you for the time. Uh, as you said, and as I said, we became friends many years ago. Um, it, it's just a, it's a great giving relationship on both sides. Uh, so I want to wish you and your family good health, continued success. you got a great program. Uh, I'm sure you're going to get lots of viewers to continue to, to watch. Yeah, the program, again, is called Everyday, Everyday Investor. Everyday Investor with Rav Tour. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, and, and, and to you as well, Howard. I'm glad you're doing this. Like I say, it's about time. You're, uh, you're amazing at it and uh, have been blessed with uh, an incredible uh, IQ and at the same time be able to draw people out. And it's, it's good for people to learn from others. Um, sometimes it's, it's hard to, to draw out what they're thinking and feeling, and I think you do a really great job. So thank you. Thanks, Rav. Take, take care. We'll, we'll see you next time. Uh, you'll be back, I promise. Thanks, Howard. All the best. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, you can reach us on the net at rewithhd.com. That's rewithhd.com. Or you can also email us at info at rewithhd.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's our show for today. Take care. Be kind. We'll see you next time.